This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Big day, big game. Let's get to it. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Thanks so much for joining us. Nebraska-Minnesota tonight. It is uh, a Big Ten West showdown. Nebraska has not lost to a Big Ten West opponent yet this season. And Minnesota has not lost, period. Though I think an argument can be made that they're playing the best team that they've faced so far in 2019 tonight. Uh, we've got a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to be joined a little bit later on by Josh Banderas. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit to us uh, about the black shirts, what he's seen so far uh, from this defense, uh, and what we can expect tonight against the Golden Gophers. Um, we will uh, also, I'm going to break down a little bit of what I see uh, going on in this game, and then uh, we've hit the halfway point of the year, six games down, six games to go. Um, the uh, MVPs in Nebraska's uh, offense and defense through the halfway point of the season with 50% down uh, and 50% to go. Hopefully more than 50% to go. Two more games, and this team's bowl eligible for the first time since 2016. When 2016 started, I only had two kids. That's how long ago that was. Uh, So we've got a lot to cover. Glad you're with us. Um, of course, we'll have uh, pregame coverage of the Husker Sports Network broadcast starting right here on KLIN at 1.30, kickoff at 6.30, uh, and uh, coverage all through the night. So uh, keep it tuned right here starting at 1.30, and of course through 10 o'clock uh, when I'm done talking to you. Um, talked a lot about this yesterday on the, the Friday Husker tailgate um, with Brendan Stein, Jack Mitchell, and myself. This offense for Nebraska has not really lived up to expectations. And I think everybody would agree with that. Everybody was a little bit more uh, excited than, than you know, about what you thought might happen than, than what you've actually seen. Adrian Martinez, this Heisman Trophy uh, candidate, that's not come to fruition. Uh, he's not really taken that next step. Um, I don't know that he's gotten worse, but it doesn't appear that he's taken huge steps forward to improve his game. Uh, just has looked indecisive at times. Uh, obviously, some injuries have played into uh, the way the offense has operated. Uh, Adrian Martinez, as far as we know, didn't get injured until that third quarter, uh, last play of the third quarter against Northwestern, but has just not seemed himself. You have the injury to J.D. Spielman. Uh, Maurice Washington's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. So that's been part of it. Uh, Cade Warner, uh, kind of an underrated part of the offense, if you ask me. Uh, has not been able to get on the field very much. Uh, just just a few snaps that I recall from the Ohio State game. So, offensively, there's a lot of room to grow. 
Uh, Nebraska is 69th in total offense, 415 yards per game. Uh, 70th nationally in scoring offense, 28 points per game. Uh, third down, they're in the middle uh, in both offense and defense. They're 54th offensively and 59th defensively. Um, and and just we're not even going to talk about special teams because we know where 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 that's at. So a lot to be desired on offense. But I think there's an opportunity today, even if Adrian Martinez is not healthy, uh, to maybe see something a little bit different uh, from that offense. If Noah Vedral is the starter, number one, there have been people out there who have been clamoring for this, even with a healthy Adrian Martinez, they've wanted Noah Vedral to start. I, I am not in that camp, but for those of you who are, you're going to get your wish today, I think. And there's always this perception that exists in sports when somebody important goes down. If some, you know, the best the best player on a team uh, goes down and and he's not able to play, there is this automatic it just it's an instinct for folks who watch sports. Oh, geez, that guy's gone. They're done. And and you just you just you don't give him a chance. The the conventional wisdom is well. Obviously, he's starting for a reason. He's this, you know, this player who's playing really well. You expect him to be able to perform, and it just doesn't happen. So the the thing that I think a lot of times is missed, but it it happens often enough that more people should wait and you know reserve judgment a little bit when somebody important on your team goes down. So often you see the other players on that offense or defense or what whatever team uh environment you're in the other players kind of rally around the new guy who has to come in uh you you kind of up your game because you know that the really good players not available and so part of that is 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 in play here too Noah Vedral is not Adrian Martinez I'm not going to confuse the two again some people out there have wanted this regardless of Martinez health status but I I think Vedral is clear in a way not as good as Martinez in terms of just like the ceiling and and the explosiveness and things like that. He looked decisive in that fourth quarter, and there have been times where Martinez has not looked decisive. But Vedral has just played a quarter, and Martinez has played all but one quarter of the season. So I think there's a very limited uh, amount of, of evidence to work with there. That being said, there's something to that in the... I think if Martinez was maybe pared down a little bit in the offense, if he wasn't trying to focus on as much, or if maybe the coaching staff wasn't trying to give him more stuff to do, um, you know, if he's trying to stay in the pocket to make more reads, be uh, be a little bit more hesitant to run, uh, that that kind of comes out in the games that we've seen him play this year. So that you may not see from Vedral. I think you might be more likely to see him just kind of operate – uh, as if you know he's going to look to that first read, he's going to look to that second read, and and then boom, he's gone. He's going to take off and run. It's kind of how he looked in that second, in that fourth quarter against Northwestern, and it, it was pretty effective. Got him down the field for for the game winning field goal. Um, so there's there's that part of it, and then there's the far the other the other part is just the other guys on offense. They know that he's not as explosive as Martinez. He's probably not going to be able to create certain types of plays uh, that, that Martinez is capable of, um, and so you might have guys who aren't counting on that. 
kind of get lulled to sleep a little bit. Like, oh, well, I don't need to keep blocking this guy because at some point Martinez is going to get loose and he's going to scramble and make something happen. Um, I don't need to keep running my route because Martinez is going to be able to break out or, or he's going to find me before then. Uh, stuff like I'm not saying that's happened, but I, that's something that you might see. Uh, you might just be a little bit too reliant upon somebody's greatness to where you let your guard down a little bit. You're not putting out 100% effort because you know that he's really good and he may be able to bail you out. With Noah Vedral, I don't think anybody's going to be counting on that. I think they are. I think you listen to the players and coaches this week and throughout the offseason, they feel comfortable about Vedral's handle on the offense. He was at UCF, obviously, so this is his third year in this scheme. He knows the thing backwards and forwards, and he's pretty athletic. He can run it pretty well, too. He's got talent. Um, but I think you'll you'll not be seeing guys kind of counting on him to make a play. You're going to see guys a little bit more willing to block for that extra second, uh, run that route a little crisper, um, try to stretch for an additional yard just because you need everything that you can get because you don't have a guy with Adrian Martinez's capabilities to bail you out if if that if the play does break down. I think that's a that's a that's a part that we miss sometimes watching sports and seeing guys who are really good at what they do get injured. There's just this this tendency for us to just seize up and say, "Well, that's it. It's over. You're not going to see this team be successful um, to the level they were before." You may not see that team be successful to the level they were before, but they they still have a really good core of guys around them, good enough to to execute the offense to figure out their plan to to go out and try to win a game. So that's I I'm really interested to see how much the staff should Vedral start today and I think he probably will if you read the tea leaves. Uh, I I'm interested to see what he looks like early. Is he going to be ready to go uh in terms of of you know breaking out of that pocket and getting as many yards as he can? Are they going to put a few a few more run plays in? Uh, for the quarterback than they have been, you know, I, Martinez I think is a more capable runner, but I you also have the thing in the back of your mind. Well, you don't want to run him into the ground. You don't want to get him banged up. It's a long season. Um, number one, Noah Vedral is not the starter, and you feel good about Luke McCaffrey from from what they've said too. And you got three more games that you can play him and preserve their red shirt with their, which they've said they want to do. The other factor is you've got a bye week coming up next week, so you can you can get a guy a little bit more. Uh, wear and tear in a game like this where you've got the buy f- immediately following and they can get some rest and recuperation and bounce back a little bit better with two weeks to do that instead of just one. I'm really interested to see how the staff, what what all the staff puts on Vedral. I'm interested to see how much uh, he is is willing and decisive to, to go and run and get out of that pocket if the if the play isn't there in the pass game. And maybe you see some eye formation Today, maybe you see um, some more of that, uh, you know, the, the, a little bit more of the, the, the variations on that option uh, from the shotgun. You saw that really cool play where uh, Martinez had the, the zone read look to Mills and, and the Northwestern defensive end crashed it right away. And Martinez pulled it and was able to shovel pass it to Wandale, who got about 50 yards on the play. Little wrinkles like that that aren't on film. Um, if if you feel confident in Vedral's ability to run plays like that, this is a road game. It's a team that's leading your division. They're ranked. 
this is this is the time to break that stuff out. And will Luke McCaffrey get some snaps if Vedral's the guy and they're not going to play Adrian? You saw him come in for one play against Northwestern, just the, the helmet pop off and he's in there before you can even turn around. Um, so that's the one one game down. He's got three to go to, to preserve that red shirt. Maybe you see a few design uh, plays for McCaffrey. Uh, maybe you put them both on the field at the same time. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I'm I'm really interested to see what the staff does at quarterback if Adrian Martinez is unavailable. Really interested to see that. Um, so uh, and going to get into what we expect to see from Minnesota as well. But um, I just the the discussion about the offense and the struggles they've had, and now dealing with some of the injuries and and the Noah Vedral factor. Um, it's it's pretty fascinating. I haven't even touched on Maurice Washington. See if he's Number one, not suspended, and number two, healthy enough to stay in for more than a few plays in this game. Haven't really seen that uh, much this season. Maybe we get a game with both Wandale and and Maurice on the field for uh, a majority of the snaps. What would that offense look like? A little bit of weather. Uh, It sounds like the the worst of it may be gone by the time kickoff happens at 6.30 tonight, so it may not be as much of a factor. Uh, but you could have a little precipitation, could have a little wind. Nebraska playing a backup quarterback, I think that might favor uh, Nebraska. You can take Minnesota's offense uh, down a notch or two maybe with weather like that. Uh, they can't do as much of what they want to do with weather, um, especially wind in the pass game. Um, they've got some deep, they've got some big play threats. Two of their top three receivers uh, for the Gophers average over 20 yards per catch. So that'll be something to watch, too. Um, keep an eye on the weather. Um, going to break down a little bit of the matchup. Um, going to uh, touch on the black shirts as well with Josh Banderas um, in just a little bit when we come back. Uh, we've got uh, plenty to get to, so stick with us here. Uh, we've got pregame coming up at 1.30 and the kickoff at 6.30. Uh, and uh, lots more to discuss here on my hour. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz with you here on a Saturday morning. It's 1400 KLIN. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Welcome back to the KLIN Husker Hour. We've got uh, pregame coverage coming up. Nebraska-Minnesota, 1.30 here on KLIN. Kickoff, of course, at 6.30. And uh, somebody that you hear from time and again here on uh, our show, KLIN Husker Hour, and also on the Husker Sports Network this season a little bit, Josh Banderas, top 20 tackler in Husker history. Josh, how's it going? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. Love being on. Miss talking to you uh, weekly, but it's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get that going again someday if we uh, if we can fit into your schedule. Um, let's touch a little bit on the defense. We've talked a lot about offense this week. I feel like obviously Martinez's injury and Spielman's injury. You don't know what's going to happen with those. Um, but the defenses. I mean, they they really carried the team last Saturday against Northwestern. Uh, they've played really well overall this season. From your perspective, what's been the biggest difference for 2019's defense compared to last season? Well, I think our 
I think our secondary. You know, we've had a couple, a couple let looses here and there. You know, a double move or just maybe a poor tackle. But I think that I, I see a lot of, a lot of promise in our in our secondary. I think Lamar's playing at a good level. Decaf's playing at a solid level. Cam Taylor has showed extreme promise. Right, he's still young and he still makes some some errors. But I know I like what I'm seeing from from the secondary as a group. So I think that's that has been a big step forward for them. And you know our linebackers haven't been impressed. I wanted more uh, more growth. I've seen a lot of growth personally in Will Honus, but just as a unit, I don't think that they've um, played up to expectation with, uh, we'll say, I'll give the exception to Jojo Doman, who is, I think, playing outstanding and probably our best defender on the field. But, um, you know, I think our secondary has been our biggest biggest jump, I guess you would say. Yeah, the secondary has been, been really nice. Cam Taylor-Britt has Four force fumbles. He's got a ton of tackles. Made a lot of impact plays. Let's let's focus in on the linebackers a little bit because you brought that up and uh, that's kind of your area of expertise. Mo Berry had a huge season last year. Hasn't really been the same this season. What do you think is is part of the the reason why on that? You know, it's 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 tough kind of to point out one thing that uh, I've seen with him. He's had some games where he's tackled phenomenal. He's had other games where you know he kind of slid off a couple and. Um, you know, being in the right spots, a whole other thing. And sometimes it looked like he's kind of uh, maybe a little out of control, I guess you would say, out there. But um, I just, you know, it, it, I, would, I would put him in the same same category as last year where everyone else maybe took a step forward or Mo maybe just stayed the same. So, you know, as we watch the games, it's like, man, he got worse. But I think really he's just he's kind of been the same guy just, Everybody around him is, is taking a step forward, and they've gotten better. So it makes him maybe not look as uh, you know as explosive or, or showcase him as much as it did last year. Former Husker Josh Banderas joining us here on the KLI on Husker Hour. Uh, let's touch on the D line because I know that's a big factor is into the success or, or difficulties that linebackers can have depending on what they can do up front. Darian Daniels has been a big uh, big factor, I think, in the middle as a grad transfer. You've gotten growth out of the Davis twins. Um, a lot of depth up front on that D line. They go too deep across all three positions. Um, what what has been the is it, is it just a matter of getting Darian Daniels in, who's more of a a true. Three, four knows where where Mick Stoltenberg maybe wasn't last season. Is is that it, or it, what? What do you think is uh, part of the the success of the the D line and how they've been able to help out? I think it's definitely been uh, Daniels, and I was a little, I wasn't, I was a little skeptic when he came in, and everybody was excited because it's you know there's so many different why guy or so many different reasons why guys transfer right. With you know Oklahoma State is not a uh, a bad program. Why would he leave there? Was he not getting the playing time? Was he maybe having issues off the field? But, you know, he came in being only here for however long he was and to become a captain on this, uh, you know, uh, on the one of the great defenses that's known around the country. And uh, he's really stepped in and made a, a huge impact. But I do think he brings that different um, uh, style, right, more than 3-4, like you were saying, the traditional nose guard where, you know, Mick was – he was a beat up. He was a beat up guy. His knees were gone. You know, he's – his natural playing weight was probably 100 pounds less than he actually was. and yeah. So he's done a very good job of controlling the middle, and I think he's been a, kind of an integral part of getting the Davis twins where they are. You know, I, you know, I love the guys, but they needed a little bit of boost, and I think Darian has been able to kind of show, you know, point them in the right direction on, uh, you know, how, how this game needs to be played at this level. 
Were you were you surprised when he was named a captain preseason? I was. It was just you know you, it was you were so new. You know you might not even know most of the, you know most of the names of the guys on your on your own team and um, you know being a just because you're an older guy I didn't think that would be a big factor but you know I haven't really gotten to know the guy from being around there uh, you know as much as I have been lately but I mean if you're voted captain by the team then you must be uh, doing something right something special. Yeah, no doubt. Josh Banderas joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Scott Frost, Bill Moose, both of those guys have talked a lot about how long it's going to take to change the foundation of the program, change the culture of the program, all this stuff. You obviously pay attention to the program. You've got a brother in the program. What what have you maybe seen or heard as far as uh, changes to the culture and the foundation of the program that, that leads you to believe this thing's going in the right direction? Well, just the, just just everybody's, uh, I guess, uh, consistency in, in what they say. Right? So, yeah. you know, even a guy like Moose who came out and said, hey, I, I just want six wins, right? I just want us to get in a bowl game. Everybody everybody in the state was like, what are you talking about, man? We're, we're, we're going to get ten wins, win the Big Ten West, and, you know, have a chance at the playoffs. But, you know, and, he, and a guy like Scott who came in and said, I'm going to make the Big Ten come to my offense, right? We're going to have to adjust to us. We're yeah. not going to have to adjust to them. And, uh, you know, even a rocky season last year, a, a not so great start this year, and, and how they're playing. And, but they've stuck to it. They've 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 not wavered. They've not said, "Well, you know, we got punched in the face. Let's kind of change some stuff up." They're staying consistent in what they're doing. And um, you know, you see and hear all the players um, talking about it and buying into it. And um, unfortunately, kind of for the fans, it's just a time thing. You know, it, it's going to take five years. But that's something that since Bo left. We haven't had. We've just bounced around, uh, you know, to, to Riley and, and Riley with Banker, and then Riley with Diaco, and then, you know, so these players haven't got a chance to just to just feed into one system for years and years, like like the Northwesterns or the Iowas. You know, those kids know nothing else but what Kirk Ferentz and Pat, Patty Fitzgerald have, have preached. Yeah, Wisconsin certainly belongs in that discussion too. Those teams definitely have more of an identity. It's been established over a, a long period of time. Um, all right, let's, let's get you out of here on this. Um, Minnesota-Nebraska coming up here later tonight. What do you think of the matchup? How does Nebraska fare against the Golden Gophers up there in Minneapolis? Well, it's it's going to be tough up there, man. I, I, I looked at their roster, and my Lord, they've got some horses up there. One of their guys was like 6'9", 400 pounds on the roster. Mm-hmm. So they've got some some ability to, to kind of grind on the inside and start wearing on us later in the game. and. Um, for the most of, for the early part of the season, I was I liked our front seven. I liked how we were stopping the run, and then we kind of seen some cracks, um, you know, here and there in a couple of games with some explosive explosive plays, uh, kind of you know around the around that front seven. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup, a tough game, kind of a traditional cold weather Big Ten game. There's not going to be a ton of points, I don't think, but uh, I think it's going to come down to the wire. And uh, again, I, I like like our entire season. Unfortunately, I think it's going to come down to who's going to hang on to the ball, right? And that would be the difference in the game, but it's definitely going to be a tight, tight uh, matchup. All right, Josh Banderas, thanks again for joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. We'll uh, catch up with you down the road, all right? Sounds good, man. Go Big Red. All right, thanks to Josh Banderas there. Thanks uh, to him for joining us. Uh, We're going to take a quick break.
We'll break down this one, how it matches up, Nebraska-Minnesota. Who has the advantage, and, and what parts of this game, what, uh, what what areas of the field should you watch tonight to get indication of uh, which team has the advantage? Uh, my offensive and defensive MVPs at the halfway point of this season, six games down, six games to go. I, there's a few arguments to be made. I'm going to give you my picks through this season so far. Uh, and then uh, I've got a crazy stat on turnovers um, that you uh, – that will really be a good indicator of just how far the black shirts have come. You won't want to miss that. Uh, that's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour, 1400 KLIN. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here, 1400 KLIN. Taking you to 10 o'clock. Stick around with KLIN today, 1.30 pregame right here. And uh, 6.30 kickoff from Nebraska, Minnesota from Minneapolis tonight. Minnesota, 5-0 on the year, number 25 in the poll. Just one of them. I think they're 26th in the other. Uh, so right on the fringe there. Uh, Minnesota's schedule, you haven't taken a gander at this this uh, yet this season, uh, it's not exactly a murderer's row, and they haven't uh, they haven't dominated to the tune of of uh, what you might expect. Uh, South Dakota State that was a twenty eight to twenty one win. Uh, I think that was a Thursday game, uh, the opening Thursday of the season. Uh, so just a one score win over uh, FCS opponent South Dakota State. Next week at Fresno State, they won thirty eight to thirty five in double overtime. Then Georgia Southern. Won that one 35 to 32. That was at home. Uh, so three non-con games. They go three and zero, but all three are within one score. Then they had the bye, and then uh, at Purdue they won by one score in that game, 38 uh, 31. And then followed that up with uh, their game last week against Illinois at home. They won 40 to 17. That's really the only game that they have not played down to their competition. They kind of put a full. Uh, you know, uh, took a complete team performance together, offense and defense. So, you're you're not exactly. I'm not exactly sure what type of Minnesota uh, team you're going to see. If if it's if it's the one that's going to kind of play down, not that Nebraska's down competition, so to speak, but uh, Nebraska four and two, Nebraska not ranked, uh, Nebraska's got a Big Ten loss. Uh, look, I, I think Minnesota is going to be seeing the most talented team they've seen all season tonight. I think they're going to see the best coached team that they've seen all season tonight. Um, and look, the weather, I don't know if it's going to be a factor or not, but if there is a little bit of wind or, or rain or snow or what, what have you, um, I think that's going to take away some of Minnesota's weapons. Uh, you, everybody knew about Tyler Johnson coming into the year. Um, he was an all big 10 wide receiver last season. Uh, so far this year, he's got 28 receptions, leads the team, 350 yards, and five scores. That also leads the team. Um, then you've got Rashad Bateman, 23 catches, 537 yards, four touchdowns, 23.4 yards per catch. That leads the team. Uh, Chris Ottman-Bell has 11 grabs for 220 yards and three touchdowns. That's a 20 yards per catch average as well. Tanner Morgan... He's got 13 touchdown passes this year. 12 of them have gone to those three guys. So you're going to have DiCaprio Boodle, Lamar Jackson, 
maybe even see a little bit of Braxton Clark and get three DBs, three cornerbacks out there. Um, a lot of this game, uh, Cam Cam Taylor Britt and uh, Markel Dismuke, both of those guys have been huge for Nebraska this season. Uh, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play real well again today. Uh, I think this is a strength on strength matchup. If there's not as much factor uh, on the weather, if if there if the weather doesn't play as much of a factor, and Minnesota's pass game is available to them, um, I think that is uh, outside of the line of scrimmage. I think that's where the game is won or lost. Is is Minnesota's offense, specifically their pass game, going to be able to get the type of production that they've had this season against a secondary like Nebraska's, Lamar Jackson? DiCaprio Boodle. Those guys are on the field almost every play at corner, and both of them have played very well this season. And the safeties, Dismuke and, and Cam Taylor Britt, um, each of them have had very good seasons as well. Dismuke's the second leading tackler on this team. Cam Taylor Britt, I believe, is sixth leading. Uh, plus, he's got four forced fumbles. Nebraska's got eight uh, on the year. Um, so they. This this defense has really been a ball hawking defense, um, so so much better than last year's, um, and and I think that secondary matchup with Minnesota's wide receivers that one is really one to watch. Um, so if 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 there's going to be um, another matchup to watch, uh, I, like I mentioned earlier, it's the line, the line of scrimmage. Um, the D line has played pretty well, other than that Ohio State game, um, and and honestly, the D line's played pretty well for all but just a few quarters this season. You got the fourth quarter against Colorado, uh, which was uh, pretty rough, um, and then you've got a, just a handful of plays against Illinois. Three of Illinois's five touchdown drives uh, were forty-two yards or less, uh, and, and all three of those were set up by fumbles. So. The defense has not allowed a lot of long drives. If Nebraska can get any help from special teams in terms of field position, you feel a lot better about the defense's chances. But even if you don't, um, they've they've done very well, even put in, in some tough spots. Um, so th- I, fe- I I think you feel all right about the D line, even though Minnesota's offensive line is pretty pretty big, um, as as Josh Banderas mentioned. Um, I think the one that you really need to worry about is Nebraska's offensive line. Talked a lot about the snapping. Cam Jurgens has had his issues there. Obviously, that's something that needs to get fixed. Uh, but even beyond that, there's still issues with getting to getting guys to their blocks, um, making sure that the communication is right if there's any sort of stunning or twisting from the D-line, um, handling blitzes, uh, especially if you get backed up in third and long and, and you know it's a passing down. And run blocking, uh, Diedrich Mills... I I think you get a fair amount of carries for that guy on uh, tonight. I, I he's not somebody who can just make it happen. He needs a little bit of blocking help to get his yards. Wandale and Maurice not as much, uh, but if you play if you play Mills and give him a lot of carries, that line's got to be on. Um, and I wonder I I mentioned this earlier. I wonder if you might see some of that I formation come back uh, that we saw in that one big drive against Ohio State in the first half that ended in the interception with the guy sitting on his butt. Are you going to see that I formation again? Um, it, you didn't see it a lot last week against Northwestern. There was only maybe two or three plays of it. But Northwestern, I think, is, is a, uh, a pretty well-schemed defense. I think they're better coached than what you've seen from Minnesota. So maybe you have an opportunity there to exploit the gopher defense with some of that option. 
And frankly, the line looked at its at its best with that I formation. So if if you want to, you know, if you want to cut down on those uh, bad shotgun snaps, take him out of the shotgun and put that quarterback under center. You know, that that's one way that you can help this uh, um, this center out. Uh, Cam Jurgens has still struggled with that um, throughout this season, uh, but but the offensive line. If if Nebraska can hold up there at the point of attack, um, that'll help Noah Vedral out if he's the starter. Um, that'll help that running game, and and uh, that'll give Nebraska a lot better chance to win. More on the turnovers, uh, we we've seen Nebraska's defense be better at that this season early on, uh, and compared to last year, a lot more like what you saw from Janander's scheme at UCF. Uh, and I've got one stat that's the biggest indicator of the Blackshirts' improvement on turnovers. I'll have that right when we come back here on KLIN, Lincoln's Husker Radio. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. A few more minutes of the KLIN Husker Hour left to go here on this Saturday morning. Nebraska-Minnesota coming up tonight. Uh, you know what? We have hit the halfway point of this season. You've got six games down, six more to go. Uh, it's a 4-2 and two start for Nebraska, which is the same, uh, the same number of wins as Nebraska has gotten the entire year for two years running. So that's something, right? You, you can't necessarily feel too bad about uh, that part of it. Uh, how it's looked, where you could be otherwise, you know, that that might be a different story, but uh, four wins are four wins. Um, I thought it'd be fun to look back and look at at the halfway point here, who are Nebraska's offensive and defensive MVPs so far this season. Um, offensively, I don't think there's as many candidates uh, to go around. Uh, J.D. Spielman has had an okay start to the year. He's got 410 yards receiving. He's on pace to hit over 800 for the third year in a row, uh, which is pretty impressive. 21 receptions. He's only got one touchdown. Uh, it was a 65-yarder, though, in the, in the early parts of the Colorado game. Uh, dealing with injury, may not be able to play uh, today. That'll definitely be one to watch. Uh, Adrian Martinez, he's had his ups and downs, but he has uh, performed pretty well in a, in a couple of spots. Um, had a huge finish to the Illinois game along with Wandale Robinson. Um, he's not put up numbers that you uh, thought you might see from him earlier uh, when, when you were coming into the season. He's at 60% passing, 1,245 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, and five interceptions. Rushing the ball, he's got 341 on the ground, three touchdowns, along of 56, uh, averages 56 per game. Um, I don't think you can give it to either one of those guys, um, not based on what the true freshman has done. Um, and, and Diedrich Mills, we'll give him an honorable mention, too. He's got six touchdowns rushing, nothing to shake a stick at. Um, a 61-yard run is his long of the year. He's got 322 total on the ground, two starts, in. Uh, he's played all six games. Hopefully those fumble problems are behind him. Uh, Wondell Robinson gets my vote um, for offensive MVP so far this season. Uh, just about single-handedly won a couple Big Ten games for Nebraska. 168 total yards against Illinois and three touchdowns. Uh, Nebraska needed him in every single way in that game, and he was able to deliver with Maurice Washington and Diedrich Mills both banged up. Um, and in the game just last Saturday against Northwestern, 167 
total yards of offense for Wandale and the only touchdown of the game for Nebraska. The four most explosive plays for Nebraska all were Wandale Robinson um, on the ground through the air. The kid can do it all, uh, and and just a true freshman. Pretty exciting uh, to to think about what his uh, career could end up being. So that's my offensive MVP this season. Now you go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there are quite a few candidates for a defensive MVP. One that won't necessarily show up on the stat sheet would be Darian Daniels. Um, he does have a decent amount of tackles for a de- ta- for uh, for a defensive tackle. Uh, he's got 21 total tackles this year, three for a loss. He's one and a half sacks. Um, that's the extent of his numbers, but I think his impact has been felt in other ways because uh, just because you've seen what he's been able to do uh, in terms of gumming up the inside of the the line. Um, he's, he's taking up offensive linemen. So the linebackers can come in, um, Mo Berry, Will Honus and Colin Miller. Those three players at inside linebacker are four. Uh, they're all, all three of those guys are in the top four in terms of tackles this season, um, for Nebraska. So, uh, Darian Daniels doing his job and, and being a leader for this team, a captain as a grad transfer senior, um, pretty unheard of. And, and so I, I think he gets an honorable mention vote for me. Um, Jojo Doman at linebacker does as well. Uh, was tempted to give him uh, the MVP award, but um, I, I'm going to go in a different direction, even though his his impact is real. Uh, 28 tackles, he's fifth on the team. He's got eight tackles for loss, which leads the team. One and a half sacks for him as well. He's got three pass breakups. He's got a fumble forced. Uh, he has played all over the place, started the year as one of your outside linebackers. He's moved into a nickel role, though, he still plays outside linebacker depending on the scheme and the play call. So he's he's really a guy who can play all over the field, and, and I think the versatility is huge for this defense. Uh, JoJo Doman is a, an honorable mention candidate for uh, defensive MVP. Then you look at the secondary, and I think you could literally give the MVP to any one of four guys back there. Markel Dismuke, second leading tackler, 35 tackles. He's got three pass breakups. Um, you could also give it to either of the cornerbacks, Lamar Jackson or uh, DiCaprio Boodle. Uh, Jackson's got 18 tackles, uh, which is saying a lot for a guy who doesn't really seem like he likes to tackle a lot. Three tackles for loss. He had that big force fumble in the first game of the year, uh, two pass breakups, uh, and the critical interception against Northwestern. He's got two on the year, um, none bigger than that one against the Wildcats in the fourth quarter uh, to set up the game-winning field goal. DiCaprio Boodle. Um, he's, he's played really well this year as well. Um, he has not been targeted a whole lot, uh, but there's a reason for that. Uh, defenses do not like to go his way. Uh, he only has eight tackles, but he's got five pass breakups. I should mention Lamar Jackson's got nine, um, which is right up there for tops in the country. Uh, but DiCaprio Boodle, not, not bad himself. He's got five pass breakups. Uh, both of those guys have given Nebraska a lot of flexibility defensively. Um, but my vote is going to Cam Taylor Britt for defensive MVP Uh, started as a kind of a slot corner or a safety sub. Um, Deontay Williams goes out in the first game and Cam Taylor Britt is forced into a starting role and he has flourished there. Uh, 26 tackles. It's good for sixth on the team. He's got four tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Uh, This is where his numbers really shine though. He has two interceptions uh, just like Lamar Jackson and Eric Lee uh, leading the team. He's got two pass breakups. Um, but this stat, uh, Nebraska all of last season didn't really get a whole lot of turnovers, and, and they didn't force a lot of fumbles. They only forced nine fumbles, 
all year last year in 12 games. They've already got eight this year. Half of those belong to Cam Taylor Britt. Four forced fumbles this season through six games. Phenomenal. He's playing with an injured shoulder. You did not. I did not think that he was going to be able to play uh, the week after that shoulder injury um, that he suffered. And and there he was, right back at it the following week. He's not missed a beat. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, my defensive MVP um, at the halfway point of this season. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's take our final break here, um, and uh, we'll get to the finish of this show. Again, one thirty pregame. You can step away from KLIN if you must. But be sure to come back at 1.30 uh, and then kick off at 6.30. We'll the radio sync going. Turn down that TV. Turn up your radio uh, for the radio sync broadcast tonight. 6.30 kickoff, Nebraska, Minnesota. Uh, back to wrap this thing up. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Husker football, b- baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Thanks to Josh Banderas, joined us earlier on in the show. If you missed it, you can catch up with uh, our uh, our shows on our podcast page at KLIN.com or on social media. Uh, we'll get those uh, posted uh, at some point here after the show. Um, touched on uh, a little bit of everything today. Uh, got our defensive and offensive MVPs last segment. Um, I've hit on the offense and defense. Uh, yeah, tonight I think you see Noah Vedral as your starter. He gets his first career start as a, as a Cornhusker. And uh, I don't know if you're going to see the same decisiveness and the same crispness that you saw in the entirety of the fourth quarter against Northwestern. I think Northwestern's defense is better than Minnesota's, but also there's a little bit of a different animal um, for uh, coming in and just finishing up a game in one quarter of play when the defense is not prepared for you versus this week where Minnesota has been kind of locked in on on uh, Noah Vedral while keeping in the back of their mind that Martinez might actually be able to play. So I think that's a different animal. That being said, I do like the way that he was uh, decisive uh, with his decision-making. He was not staying in the pocket for too long, and when he did take off, he just got right upfield, got what he could. Um, if there's one criticism of Adrian Martinez this season that I think everybody would agree with it is that he has been indecisive a lot this year. And that's prevented him from taking that next step. It's prevented him from being able to kind of show his stuff on the national stage um, to, to take the offense to the next level or even get the offense back to the level that they were uh, in the last six games of 2018. Uh, so if he can be decisive, that's a big step forward um, for for him, and it, it, it maybe gives you hope that Nebraska's offense can get some stuff going um, with the backup quarterback against Minnesota. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier in the game. The matchup that I think you watch other than the, the offensive and defensive lines is Nebraska in the secondary versus Minnesota's wide receivers. Uh, Their top three receivers, touched on them earlier, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Ottman-Bell. 79% of their team's receptions, 89% of Minnesota's receiving yards, and 12 of Tanner Johnson's 13 touchdowns. Excuse me, Tanner Morgan. Um, 12 of his 13 receiving touchdowns um, have gone to those three wide receivers. So, any one of those four guys in the secondary that you've seen all year, um, like I said, they, they've played like a defensive MVP 
both Dismuke and Cam Taylor Britt at safety, Boodle and Jackson at corner. Uh, you feel good about that matchup if you're Nebraska. And frankly, if you're Minnesota, I think you feel good about that matchup too. Both have played really well. Um, I just think that Nebraska's seen that kind of talent against Ohio State. Um, Minnesota, I don't think they've played a secondary um, that has the talent and that has played up to that talent um, like Nebraska's secondary has this year. Um, it's been a real strength. So I think that's something that's uh, that's very important to look at. So if, if, you, if you're looking for that matchup to watch and to see how the game goes, I think that's how you would look. Okay, let's get to my pick. Nebraska-Minnesota tonight. It's, uh, I think, the best team that Minnesota's faced this season. Um, I think that does matter. Um, they've, they've not played a, a great schedule, even though they are undefeated. Uh, but they also have a taste for winning. Um, they've got a little bit more uh, firepower in that offense. I just don't know if the Husker offense is going to be able to keep up uh, with Noah Vedrill at the controls. I think he's going to get the start, and uh, I, I don't know that they can be as explosive as Minnesota can. If there's a lot of weather... That evens it up a little bit, and then Nebraska's got a, cl- a better shot, in my opinion. Uh, my score prediction is 27-21 Minnesota. I think the Golden Gophers stay unbeaten, uh, and Nebraska just narrowly misses a big road win. Hopefully I'm wrong. We shall see. We'll talk to you all about it next week. Uh, we will be back with another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour on a bye week. We'll see you then. Go Big Red.